It's B-Side time again on the Presser Rind Prince Lyrics podcast. And on this episode, we'll be chatting about the Sign of the Times single, B-Side, La La La, He He He. And joining me again on the show is Richard Cole. Welcome back to the show, Richard. All right. Welcome back. I'm Jason. And hello, everybody out there. Thank you for joining me again. The last time you joined me on an episode was for another B-Side. You were on the uh, Love or Money episode from the Parade era. Yeah. Uh, must be something about <laughs> B-Sides, man, that you <laughs> that you kind of dig. <laughs> oh, I've loved them. You know, um, musician friends of mine, that's all we gravitated towards, B-Sides, album tracks. So, yeah, this is, this is fun. Yeah, B-Sides are kind of, well, back when, you know, people bought singles, that was... Uh, a really important aspect, you know, to determine whether or not you want to buy a single. Because if I'm looking, you know, if I'm a kid in the late seven or late seventies, late eighties, and I have a tape deck and a blank tape, if I want to listen to the song whenever I want to listen to a song, I could just record it off the radio. So for me to yeah. go out and purchase <laughs> purchase a single, a lot of times it needed to offer something new or different, like either a really cool remix, or you know, in the case of a lot of print singles. Uh, a, a kind of an exclusive, unique B-side that B-side, you couldn't yeah. find off of the album. And so he was just, you know, dropping them left and right in the 80s. And makes sense. I mean, he had so many songs. Uh, it would almost, I almost feel like any song that he didn't do that, I'm like, well, where's the, where's the unique B-side? Why didn't we get something special off of, uh, you know, the You Got the Look single? Or why didn't we get something unique off of I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man? We know we had the songs. We got them all on the Sign of the Time mm-hmm. Super Deluxe Edition. Any one of those could have been dropped as a B-side on those two other singles in the United States, and we would have been happy, but whatever. We we got what we got, yeah. and now we have them all to listen to for ourselves, so it's it's neither here nor there. But anyway, yeah, the B-sides are great, and um, this is a kind of an interesting B-side because it has two very kind of distinct versions you've got the seven inch b-side which is you know the short edited version just a normal song length but then like prince did a lot of on his 12 inch 12 inch singles he's got a flip side of this um sign of the time single which is the b-side that's what this is the b-side too the the debut song off of the where you know the first track released off of the sign of the times album you've got this 10 plus minute it's highly explosive is what it's uh it's you know in parenthetical name for la 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 he 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 and this is like the definitive version in my opinion did you have this single at the time it was released uh i went straight for the 12 inch single uh and that was just because the actually the 45 version i was hearing on radio so you know in the 80s it was that transition between old school DJs having more control and playing what they felt like over to, you know, corporate takeover. And that was kind of one of the last unique things you got on radio was uh, the Prince B-side. And so I remember hearing that and it was like, it reminded me a lot of um, Atomic Dog by George Clinton. Mm, Oh, Prince is doing, you know, he's trying to, you know, do one better or do something inspired by it. And it's, you know, it's funky as all get out. So I think I just went, instead of just buying the 45, I just waited for the 12 inch single and was not disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. They cost a little more money, of course, but uh, they were almost always worth it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. 
so yeah good good um kind of segue into talking about you know atomic dog and it's the themes of the song because you can't tell by the title la 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 he he but in this song it's it's kind of like this lengthy uh silly allegorical story where prince takes on the the um the persona of a dog like a canine <laughs> in the song right and and there's a lot of these um metaphors dog and cat metaphors between him and and a we assume you know a, a female cat or you know in, in the case of if it being applied to humans you know he's he's kind of basically pursuing this this woman but it's in it's in this i want to say in some ways like a a bit of a a nursery rhyme or some sort of kids allegorical story where everything is kind of taken down to uh, a, a relatable level you know he's not using real suggestive words but i guess in some ways there's a lot of double entendres and we'll get into yeah. those as the song goes on but it's like taking the the typical boy meets girl girls playing hard to get but also you know also uh showing that she's interested but using dogs and cats in place of humans which uh makes the song a little more different interesting however you want to put it uh another interesting thing about the song is kind of its genesis or its formation and there's been you know this has been documented it was actually i didn't know much about the, the history behind the song or how it was written or you know the genesis of it until i received the uh the hits and b-sides collection right. from 93 and then that's when prince started adding all of these little notes and little stories about how songs came about especially for the, like the b-sides but he did it for all of them but a lot of the b-sides were always kind of like a mystery like where did the song come from when was it recorded who who participated on it especially if you didn't own the 12 inch and you didn't, couldn't read the liner notes mm -hmm. so on this one for la 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 he 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 as the story goes that prince relayed in the hits and b-sides liner notes this was kind of created off of a, a dare uh that sheena easton who he collaborated with several times in the 80s had basically dared him to write a song using a really simple kind of inane chorus la 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 he 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 i love you you love me something that seems so simple that it'd be very difficult to create a compelling song using just that as the chorus uh, and prince allegedly took on that that bet and and created the song as a result is that pretty much how you understand the story richard yeah yeah I, same same with you i got the uh story from the uh, hits and the b-sides liner notes yeah and you, and i you know it's it's interesting you know when you have prolific songwriters and you know where people that don't normally write songs um yeah in a way it is magic but on their perspective it's like it's more magical so they present these challenges like oh i bet you can't write a song about this or write a song about that uh it's the same with um you know dustin hoffman challenging paul mccartney can you write a song based off of picasso's last words and bang you know in minutes he wrote a song about picasso's last words and same with la 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 he 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 to you know to create something that you know the fans can relate to i mean it's it's amazing 
Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can that, create a song that, that nobody cares about and can't listen to. But if you're trying to make a song that you know, is going to actually see wide release and be considered, um, you know, so, a viable option as a B-side to one of your singles, like a top single, the first single released from the album, that's that's an even more um, challenge right there, I would say. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think it works, too, um, because you don't want to take away from the A-side, but at the same time, you still want to give your fans their money's worth on it. So I think that was a excellent choice for B-side for one of his most powerful singles in Sign of the Times. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, certainly a very drastic... Um, tonal change between the a and the b side on that single uh, in many ways i feel like this song thematically and tonally would have been better suited to flip side for you got the look i mean it's you got the look is a silly single i mean nobody takes the lyrics seriously it's prince's joking throughout most of the song anyway mm -hmm. so this song would have fit right in on as the flip side to that similar to how like Horny Toad was the perfect B-side for Delirious. If you like Delirious, yeah, well, you're going to love Horny Toad because it's basically the same song. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's something interesting about showing off your range on a single as well and saying, like, I'm not you know, always going to, like, don't worry, this whole album isn't going to just be serious uh, political kind of statements like Sign of the Times. I've got, I've still got the funk, I've still got my sense of humor uh, and it's gonna, you know, la 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 he he might not be a song on the album, but don't worry, I'm still that guy. You know, I can still mm -hmm. create songs like that. And so, if, I guess for that, from that perspective, it works just fine as a B side to Sign of the Times. Uh, Sheena gets a co-writing credit for the song. Um, you know, I think she's come out to say like she actually contributed the a large percentage of the lyrics or at least you know a couple verses worth of lyrics telling her story i you know maybe similar to how Susanna melvoin gets co-writing credit for um starfish and coffee where it might have been like prince she never related a story or an idea and then prince kind of ran with it kind of situation so you know as a result sheena gets some co-writing credit for this song as well yeah, I can I can see that now. So I'm, I've always had the liner note story in my head to where she just kind of gives the premise and he went and did everything else. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. again, that that might have been all that it was given. I just read a quote from Sheena later on in the um, decade, maybe 2012 or something like that, where she suggested maybe there was more to it than that. But at this point she's got a co-writing credit regardless so i don't know if it really matters <laughs> yeah no, that's fine i you know i see the opposite working too um we're hearing more of these stories now where he was encouraging you know certain proteges to you know attempt to write lyrics so yeah i can i can see that side of it too yeah and i guess they co-wrote arms of orion together too so it's not like prince was um completely against writing a song with sheena because he did it you know shortly after again so yeah just kind of something that he did i mean he wrote you got the look there's no i mean sheena doesn't even get like 
co-performance credit on that song, which is, uh, I have found that always funny. Like, it doesn't say Prince featuring Sheena Easton. You got to look. It's Prince. You got to look. And it's like, oh, yeah, who's that? Yeah, That's Sheena yeah, Easton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the video uh, makes it very evident to anybody that uh, who's wondering who the, the woman's voice is, that it's her. But mm-hmm. I think this song is also really well known as, or for having that kind of unique bark barking sample that was added you know um, i think it was the fairlight um synthesizer that included all of these different uh pre uh, pre-rendered or pre-saved sounds on it like that you could just program in it was already on there he didn't have to add it himself it was like it came installed with this barking sound and, and hey i mean <laughs> when when else when else are you going to use a barking sound in a song than a song that you're writing about from the perspective of a dog? So it's it's perfect, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, oh, I've I've loved that sample. Yeah, it works and, perfectly. Uh, it. Works perfectly. Yeah. And you know, to me, I, of course, you know, Atomic Dog is probably the better song, but you know, give points to Prince with the dog sample on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that dog was definitely on the one for real. Yeah, I, again, that's people maybe don't know the the lyrics by heart, but they know the the different barks because you got the bark that kind of goes steady throughout the the beat. It's acts as almost like uh like a drum beat, the bark, roof, mm-hmm. roof, roof. It kind of goes along with it. But then you get the sporadics uh the other ones, I, I don't know. I can't really do it. I'll probably insert the barking sound right here that I'm thinking of. Roof, roof, roof. Yeah, so that one. That, <laughs> so, so it's not the same bark throughout the entire song. I mean, it is ultimately because he repeats it throughout. But the the combination of the two different barking sounds that he uses uh, really makes the song fun, and and uh, it's it kind of sticks with you long after you've listened to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so anything else you wanted to mention about the saw before we get started and digging into the lyrics? No, that's it. Let's let's dive into the lyrics. Okay, so again, this is a silly song, people. So um, we're not going to like try to extract any, at least I don't think we're going to. We'll see right. what, yeah. what, what, pa- what yeah. path we go down. But right. I don't, don't think don't. there's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I want to play all my, I'm show all my cards yet, but who knows? Who right. knows what we'll right. find out? Right, but d- don't play it backwards. There's nothing going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's a song about a dog and a cat. I am a dog outside your door. I have been there since a quarter to four. You are a cat looking intense. I bite your leg in self-defense. Yeah. All right, so the first verse is, I am a dog outside your door. I have been there since a quarter to four. You are a cat looking intense. I bite your leg in self-defense. All right, so, um, I mean, this is just kind of like the setup, really, the setup verse to the story of Prince as the dog, or, you know, Prince's character singing from the perspective of a dog. I mean, I'm not saying Prince is calling himself a dog. Um, but again, just... a the whole uh, utilizing the 
the term dog. So dog has a ton of different kind of slang or colloquial term uh, uses in the English language. It can be, you know, that's my dog is like, that's my buddy. That's my friend mm-hmm. uh, to call a man, a dog in like in a negative way, depending on the context, then that's a person who's just going to, you know, say and do what it takes to sleep with somebody, um, you know, not really sincere in their, intention besides just having sex with somebody else those are dogs you're right i mean that's a dog um, dog can be somebody who's unattractive you know or or unpleasant so yeah. it, there's so many different ways that dog is used outside of its normal uh, animal canine context that without knowing you know um, like listening to the, all the rest of the words and how it's being used in the sentence you have to kind of figure out and glean from that information what context, what version of dog is being used. I am a dog outside your door. So initially we get, uh, we don't know what to get from that line. And I've been there since quarter four. You are a cat looking intense. And by the third line, him bringing in the cat uh, analogy or metaphor, I guess, in this in this story, he's kind of telling us that he's talking about like the literal animals in some ways, or at least in one interpretation. Yeah. It's, um, kind of, it's almost, um, fairy tale, like, or children's story, like, which, you know, nursery rhymes in pop music, you know, that sort of, I don't know what you would call it, cadence or timber, whatever, where, you know, that's a cornerstone in a lot of pop music. So that's kind of the go-to if you just want to do just like a very simple song. You don't want to go too deep. Um, I think like Everyday People, that's a example of it. Nelly's Country Grammar, that's another example where, yeah, it's just kind of the way it's sung. It's just lighthearted. It's simple. And, you know, you don't have to, well, except in Sly's case, that was still pretty heavy. It's about you know, people coming together, but, you know, it was kind of served with a spoonful of sugar, I guess. Yeah. And this is, this is going to be a story about, as I mentioned already, uh, uh, a male dog, we have to assume pursuing a female cat. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities throughout the lyrics to add those double entendres that on the surface seem innocent when you're talking in the context of animals. But of course, you know, have the double meaning and have alternate meanings when you're, well, first of all, when it's a Prince song. But second of all, even if it wasn't a Prince song, the way it's sung and surrounded by the rest of the story, you know, maybe a more mature listener can can pick out something else. And uh, there's certainly other lines in the song where I think more so in the 12-inch version where it's even becomes more clear that the, it kind of straddles that that line between um you know g rated lyrics and like r rated lyrics it's like you could take it either way depending on your maturity level depending on how close you're paying attention depending on how much you are aware of the different alternate meanings of certain words um and that you know it's just something that prince has done a lot in his career and this is this is another example of that and certainly is an effective one i think I do think that Prince using the word dog to describe himself doesn't like, so he could have used any animal, right? So he could have used, an, uh, you know, he could have called himself a horse or he could have called himself, 
a bear or he could have called himself an owl. I mean, literally anything. I think he chooses dog here because of the so like the, all the different meanings that I have already kind of alluded to that dog can be used besides just its more common phrase. In this case, I think he's also kind of in some ways calling himself or considering himself like, a, you know, a horn dog or, you know, the kind of dog that is in pursuit of um, sexual pleasure, that kind of dog. I don't know if you thought of that as well or if you you think that is true or just uh i go more for the more for the george clinton influence because okay. especially yeah especially the 80s like i said atomic dog was like the big one uh but then you also have copycat which was i forget which album that was on but um that song and actually that was a diss song towards prince of morris day uh, actually but the dog and cat metaphors were everywhere in both songs. And I yeah, think, so you know, you're, you're, you're thinking it's more of like a response to that or just kind of like a another take on that? Uh, just, yeah, like an influence, I think. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I'm down with it. So then, um, you know, throughout, between the, some of these verses before, or, you know, when they don't get to the chorus yet, you'll still hear the somebody in the background probably prints saying say it and then you've got the mm-hmm. the dog barking in between And then the second verse is, get out my tree, grinning at me, licking your tail like it's cream, stroking your whiskers, causing a scene. That's not the way to me. Okay, so in the second verse, you know, it's again, I think it's a lot of just some of the somewhat similar um, kind of playful uh, metaphors that he's using and the, the dog and cat. Like, okay, so what do cats do? They... They climb trees. Dogs don't climb trees. Uh, cats like to lick their, the, the, you know, clean themselves. Dogs mm-hmm. will do that, but I think cats are maybe a little more known for their meticulous cleaning habits. So in the in the second line, the cat's licking its tail, and then he uses the term like it's cream, which yeah, he could have. You know, I guess it makes sense because you know the cats allegedly like cream and dairy products, even though I'm. I think they're not supposed to have them. I think it's healthy for them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that that's kind of like one of those um, stereotypes that cats, you know, giving a, a saucer of milk or whatever. And I don't think that really works in the 21st century anymore. I think we've learned too much about <laughs> cats' dietary habits and ability to um, process dairy products. Whatever. That's not <laughs> that's not really relevant here. <laughs> Stroking your whiskers, causing a scene. So, like, what do you like in the second verse, Richard? Uh, my take on it is, um, I think he's just describing the, I guess, the playfulness of the sassiness of the of the female mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah, it's almost like she's taunting yeah. him in some ways. Right, yeah. Like you said, play, being playful and hard to get. Or just yeah. being sassy and, you know, drawing a lot of attention and it's kind of, I don't know, putting them off a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, he uses the words stroking and licking in these lines. Um, and this is where, like, the double entendres start getting pretty, pretty heavy. Because on the surface, licking your tail like it's cream. Very innocent line. Mm-hmm. Stroking your whiskers, also very innocent. But then you throw it in a print song that's kind of a little bit about sex. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, these lines and these words have these alternate meanings and you can you know take it down a dirty path if if one wants to right yeah well, well i'm i'm sure this is a family show so we, you know, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> i don't know how many kids are actually listening to my show but at at this point on a prince uh prince podcast i've kind of given up on being too family friendly so <laughs> yeah. it is what it is um, yeah, and that's not the way to me, I think, is an interesting way to close that verse because it kind of gives me the impression that he's telling this cat in this in this scenario that uh, it's not working. <laughs> like, yeah. like all, all this, uh, this showboating and playing hard to get and uh, taunts um, are not working on him. That's not the way to me. So I don't know what is the way to him. I don't know if he explains later, but... He's saying this isn't working, even though I I think he's lying a little bit. I think it's working quite quite well. <laughs> you know, in a way, it's a knockoff. So it's like you just try to put the words in where they fit, but at the same time, like I said, it is kind of telling a little bit of a story, or it's kind of like a cartoon story in a way, metaphorically speaking. And yeah, yeah so I think it's you know. So the, I guess the question would be, is it like, okay, he's not looking for the sassy, you know, attention-getting females. Is he really wanting the girl next door or he's wanting her to be more of the girl next door and that's why it's not working? Yeah, maybe. Or, maybe, or, yeah. He, he doesn't really expand on that uh, idea in the rest of the song. So we don't really know, but he just tells us that it's not working. So we just have to believe him, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so then we get the refrain again, which is like the say it and the barking, but then he goes into the chorus, and the chorus is, and the doggies say to the kitty, la, 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 he, 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 I want you, you want me. Oh, how sexy it will be if we ever get together in my tree. All right, so that's the chorus, and as I kind of already mentioned at the start of the show, the chorus was, I believe... If, if the story that was written about how the song was intended to be created was really sort of like, hey, here's a really simple rhyme. Make a song about it. And this, yeah, this chorus is a, a very simple rhyme pattern. Doggy say to the kitty, la la la, he he he, I want you, you want me. It doesn't get much more nursery rhyme than that. Right. Um, but then he adds the how sexy it will be if we get together in my tree. Okay, not too many nursery rhymes use the word sexy in it, so you're already kind of taken out of the nursery rhyme aspect by adding the word sexy, but uh, ultimately it's just kind of like him saying, 
I want you. I wish we could get together, but for whatever reason, this this cat is um, very difficult to attain. And and I like how he does use the the whole tree part of it because again, cats can climb trees if they've got their claws. Mm-hmm. Dogs are not known for climbing trees; not their thing. And so, it kind of feels like he's using that um, that kind of example or that visual of a cat up in the tree dog down on the ground difficult to get to them to um in this case hook up i suppose but he but it's just kind of interesting that he calls it my tree like if we ever get together in my tree so i guess maybe it's just a tree in that dog's yard and that's kind of what i get from it yeah Uh, uh, dogs are attracted to trees for a different reason but um but it yeah it makes sense it makes sense for the song yeah like That's the only other way I can interpret it, because otherwise dogs don't have trees unless it's just the tree in their yard or the tree, like like you kind of alluded to, the tree that they've peed on and marked as theirs. <laughs> yeah, so territory, yeah, territorial, uh, possession, you know, wanting yeah. to possess the female. So, yeah, there's some, there's some subliminal stuff going on. Yeah, I would agree there. <laughs> you know, for years... I thought the line was in my dreams instead of tree. You know, it's just uh, like, you know, later on down the line, it's like, oh, well, that makes more tree makes more sense. Yeah. Than dream. But I guess according to uh, Prince Vault, this song was initially or originally called My Tree. Uh, I've never heard that version of the song called My Tree. Like uh, it says, according to Prince Vault, it had different vocal take. But I, you know, I mean, obviously you can imagine the song being called My Tree because he repeats that word. Um, I don't know. I have, I really don't know much about, you know, what is My Tree the version of the song that was allegedly called My Tree versus what we ended up getting, yeah. la la la, he he he. But uh, that is something that's been documented in Princeville, which is, you know, pretty reputable. So, uh, yeah, um, there, I haven't heard it. Um, but there is a song called My Tree. I didn't know it was related to this song. I don't but think maybe, it is. I don't right, think it is. But maybe musically some elements might have ended up in that. But remember, he was working on or still conceptualizing Graffiti Bridge as early as 1987. True. And I'm yeah, not sure point. when, yeah, when, not too sure when My Tree was written, but. I know it was intended for one of the versions of Graffiti Bridge, I think. So, yeah, I think there's one that does exist. Yeah, there is. And and uh, according to Prince Vault, these two songs are, you know, that My Tree and the version that the initial version of La 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 He 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 that was titled My Tree are not related at all. But, uh, you know, there was two love and sexes that were recorded and around the same know kind of the same two three year period and they have nothing to do with each other so right nothing wrong with recycling the title of us of a track that you know ended up getting a new name anyway so in prince's mind like i i never really called that song my tree so why can't i title a completely different song my tree if it makes sense to do so nobody's gonna get confused because uh you know at that time they did well there wasn't this meticulous note-taking and there weren't all of these um books on prince and prince faults and things like that that 
that had all of this information readily available to to those of us who <laughs> who choose to like dig into his discography and unreleased stuff. So yeah, I suppose in his mind is like, pff, who, who cares? Uh, it never actually got called my tree, so I can I can reuse it. Well, you did with um, with girl because you had the the one that the time does, and then you have girl, which is the Prince B side. Yep, from America. But yeah, like you said, we weren't as in depth then as we are now. But yeah, that knowledge of him having about three hundred songs back then in the vault that was just starting to come to the surface. Yeah, yeah very early stages of that information being communicated. Alright, so uh, moving on to the third verse. third verse is, Hey little pussy, you sure look sweet. Knocking me off my four feet. Sure do wish dogs could climb. Then we could have a funky good time. Uh, so yeah, I, again, here is a good example of another um, double entendre and just kind of a word that isn't dirty if it's taken out of context or, you know, context is everything. And then also, how is it being used? I mean, he did it to much, and of course the word I'm using the word I'm talking about is pussy here. So cat, pussy, you know, synonymous terms. And he does this even, you know, he goes even further into this, um, this double entendre, the specific double entendre on love, sexy B-side Scarlet Pussy. So it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can get down with that. I'll do that again. <laughs> I liked, I liked how I could be, uh, you know, dirty, but without being explicit, you know, and that's like, something he liked doing being dirty without being explicit and when you're talking about a song that's about a cat you can slip in terms like pussy and and get away with it yeah (laughs) that's the only time that he could say that um and get away with it on a song like this and not get slapped with a parental advisory sticker potentially um, and then, of course, he mentions that he wished he could climb, which is I'm I'm glad that he mentions that because it just kind of hammers home the idea or the visual that we, the listener, get of this cat sitting in a tree that the dog is just uh, unable to to get to her because she's you know staying up high and the dog can't get up that that tree to to get with her in that that way because he says I wish we could I wish I could climb so we could have a funky good time. And I think we all kind of figure out what he's referring to in terms of that funky good time. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, but she's still the the unattainable. She stays unattainable throughout this, pretty much throughout this song. I haven't mentioned it yet. I'm gonna be digging a little bit into the the lyrics of the highly explosive version, not just the edited version that was found on the seven inch, found on. Um, the hits and b-sides but the actual 12 inch version that we we got at the time and also on the sign of the time super deluxe edition because that that version was not as uh, readily available until you know we well, i mean unless you had the um 
unless you had the 12 inch on vinyl i don't even know if it was released on cd or cassette at any point don't know that got uh, why you wink at me i don't really see nasty little cat up in a tree is it really worth the one night of fun you've got nine lives i've only got one so um richard what uh what do you see in this this particular verse that you dig uh that one can go in a lot of different directions um you know, I guess on a on a heart level, it's a thing of yeah, you'd have fun for that one night, but you know, then you know your heart gets nothing from it. And then you know we're also talking the '80s, where you know AIDS was sort of the you know that was sort of the pandemic of the moment, and you know where one night can definitely cost you your life in that one yeah so yeah it's, it's hard to it's hard to say because it was still relatively on record that was still a, a taboo subject yeah tab- print you know prince brought on. it up on sign of the times the sign of the times up. right nope. but it, nope. that was you know that was more relative but for to to put something like that in a playful song i think it was like another two or three years before even he attempted to tackle that in something as you know, just like a, just a straight up dance number. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'm glad you brought that up because when, and I don't know, again, if I'm just looking at this with 2021 kind of eyes on, but the line, you've got nine lives. I've is it, is it really only worth one night of fun? You've got nine lives. I've only got one does also tell me kind of, or gives me the same kind of um, thoughts about it being kind of like almost like a cautionary tale in some ways. Like, Sex is great, but it can also be dangerous if you're not careful or if you're not, if you don't protect yourself or if you, you know, if you're playing Russian roulette with sleeping with a lot of other people, could you, I mean, it doesn't have to be something as deadly as HIV, just anything. Um, But to bring up the whole, you've got nine lives, I've only got one, kind of can, you can easily think that way, like this could be a deadly experience for me um and so i have to think about myself because i've only got one life you know oh yeah yeah it is clever though it's a clever reference um to the you know the old the old saying about cats with nine lives i mean we all know that that's not (laughs) literally true right you can't uh, kill a cat and then it comes back to life eight more times but i never i never looked too uh in depth into where that saying came from uh, maybe it's just because cats seem to escape serious injury fairly simple or fairly easily you know, like you can drop a cat off of a you know several stories and it can just potentially right. just run away and uninjured and just seems like cats have this uncanny way of escaping serious injury i know tell that to the the owners of a cat who got hit by a car and killed they would disagree, but um, there's plenty of, I think I can cite 
several examples just with the cats that I've had in my lifetime where like, how did you escape that uninjured? Like something that they did that should have at least right. injured them, if not killed them. So I, I kind of get that's probably where the saying came from, if I had to guess. But um, I do I do like I do like that line because it makes you think a little bit, too, more than just being a, a fun, playful uh, take on cats having nine lives saying and dogs, you know, don't have that luxury. You know, there's no mm. there's no similar saying for dogs. Yeah, they can fall off of buildings and they, too, can get hit by cars as well. They don't have that natural ability that cats have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which also maybe is why dogs aren't uh, from a from a genetic standpoint, from an evolutionary standpoint, aren't good tree climbers because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because they, they can't fall from uh, high trees and live. So they're like, you know what? I think evolution is just going to change this and make sure that these dogs stay on the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cats, you can go ahead and get up in those trees. You'll, you'll be okay if you fall for the most part. Uh, he calls, he calls the cat nasty, nasty little cat up in a tree. And again, that to me, I guess get visuals of this cat kind of being sassy, as you already mentioned, kind of being full of themselves. Uh, call back maybe to nasty girl from vanity six from, you know, handful of years prior where it's kind of like it's it's it can be it could be thought of as a badge of honor like i'm a nasty girl like vanity saying it as if it was a good thing you know like self-empowerment mm -hmm. and this is who i am and i'm going to embrace it but nasty can also be a negative depending on again the context yeah and then you had janet's nasty yeah which was a big was... hit around that same time exactly mm -hmm. And she she embraced it with her song, you know. Being nasty was a a good thing for the boys that she was, uh, you know, something she was attracted to in that case in that song, the nasty boys. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, anything else you wanted to talk about with this fourth fourth, fourth verse? Uh, no, I mean it's probably the maybe the best line of the song. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's the best line. Yeah, and of course it, you know, as the song builds, yeah, that, you know, that's a good, you know, set of lines to where it takes the song to the next level too. Yeah. And normally this would be like, you know, we get another core, but you know, we get another round of the chorus again. The doggy say to the kitty, la la la, he he he, I want you, you want me. Oh, how sexy it'll be if we ever get together in my tree, but. This would be about the time that the seven-inch version would would fade out, right? And, uh, I think the only the only line you hear after that in the seven-inch version, the only line that I hear is I hear him say, "I'm picking up your scent," and you can barely make it yeah. out. Like it's like a second or two before it completely fades out entirely. Uh, and so I'm I was thinking to myself as I was listening to the the seven inch version before I started listening to the twelve in preparation for the show, it's like I bet that there's more to that. <laughs> and because you know, this is a song and I will be fully uh, upfront about it. This is a song that when I would listen to the highly explosive version, I wasn't thinking too deep into the lyrics. Um uh, I did always like verse four because I like because I didn't say it, but when Prince says the line uh, you've got nine lives. I've only got one. He screams that, you know, he's so he really emphasizes that line 
in in the song and so it really grabs your attention it's a great line mm. and he grabs your attention with his delivery so i was always kind of drawn to you know that fourth verse and specifically that line but honestly when you start getting into you know the, the additional five six minutes that we have in the highly explosive version it's mostly about you know the musical journey that the song takes you on not so much about the lyrical journey so i i was rarely paying attention too much about the lyrics um one thing i haven't mentioned yet is there is a uh, a woman's voice you know pretty clearly heard throughout the song and and maybe it's because you know uh cat glover was such a presence during this time uh the sign of the times era that i guess i and you know she raps on um uh what song does she rap on Oh, uh, alphabet street god mm-hmm. not even a song off of this album uh regardless you know cat is all over the place she was she was on the uh the, the single cover you know with the heart over her head so people some people thought it was prince so i guess i just jumped to conclusions that it was cat's voice on this song it would also make sense because her name is cat <laughs> to to bring her on or you know her nickname is cat Mm -hmm. short for Catherine, but uh to bring her on this song to sing back up with prince but it's actually sheila e so uh, just to to clarify that in case somebody wasn't really sure whose voice it is it's it's sheila's that she gets the credit for that okay so yeah the 12 inch version richard before we start digging into the lyrics into the the extra lyrics that we get in the 12 inch version uh anything you want to say about you know the extra music or you know the, the the woman the female voice we get along with princes uh yeah i mean like i said i went straight for the the 12 inch single but having heard enough of the the single edit of it like you said when that when it starts to fade out and you hear prince's voice going you know picked up your scent one of the great things about getting a Prince 12 inch single with the expanded version of the track is that you're still listening and you know there's going to be more coming, but you got to get through what you're used to hearing with the single. And then there's that transition of, okay, this is where it normally fades out, but now we're going on a whole different journey. <laughs> yeah. And again, this one, I mean, this was sort of the peak of that whole B-side, you know, I don't want to say B-side myth, but the experience of enjoying the fun of having Prince B-sides, you know, starting from like maybe 82, 83, but when you got to 86, 87, 88, definitely 87 was sort of that peak because you had this, Shockadelica, yeah, like, you know, this was, this was a fun one having that 12 inch single and when it gets to you know past the point of i picked up your scent there, there's so much going on so let's yeah let's dive into let's dive into the lyrics yeah he takes us on a journey for sure and most of it's musical but some of the things that he does here is like you get an extra saxophone breakdown that you don't get on the seven inch version and so um eric leads in atlanta bliss's uh, horn playing is all throughout the song so we just get a little more of that you, you must be wet. 
And after he says, I'm picking up your scent, then he adds the additional line, you must be wet. So I get, you know, that's not going to be on the seven inch single in case any radio no. station was going to flip that up. But again, it's just, you must be wet. <laughs> I mean, we know exactly yeah. what he's talking about. This, and I said before, like the use of the word pussy in Latin verse three was pushing the envelope. This pushes it even further. Oh, so, it's, off, it's off the table. <laughs> it's, off the, it's off the table. Exactly. It's off the table. So he says, I'm picking up your scent. You must be wet. And then he says uh, something about like you hound dog and he repeats some lines like I want you you want me and you know just again a little bit of riffing on the chorus again and you get some kind of like call outs to his band your relative just gonna play them you're gonna play that bass you know he's talking I'm guessing to Levi um, because that was his bass player at the time, unless he's talking to himself, because, of course, Prince obviously plays bass as well. <laughs> so, yeah. who knows? <laughs> I think it even says in Prince Vault that, you know, Levi Caesar's uh, involvement in this song is unknown. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, he's he's done that in other songs where he, like, calls out this imaginary uh, bandmate to start playing an instrument that Prince ultimately just does himself anyway. Um, but, of course, I think a lot of times he does that to give the impression like it's a, a band moment that way when it's performed live you can do that kind of thing and it's natural and it fits because it, he actually is then at that point talking to a bandmate as opposed to just himself uh let's see they um you're just gonna play that bass just gonna do the line over no yes i mean some of that's just kind of riffing it's not really i wouldn't call that lyrics but then he starts using the word rover. So rover is like this uh, very stereotypical dog name, like mm-hmm. rover. There's Sri Ryan, the rover one. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But yeah, you're right. It's it's been around for a long time. But I'm I'm thinking about um, fire. Red Rover. It's Red Rover. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah the the nursery rhyme. One. Yes, I was thinking of Red Rover. The nursery rhyme. So, yeah, yeah that's been around. Thinking, for, what were you thinking of? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, that's yeah, that one's been around forever. It's like a was it nursery rhyme or children's game? Yeah, something like that. It might even be where a game. that uses yeah that uses a nursery rhyme. Uh, there's that, but which Jimi Hendrix, you know, <laughs> took it, and I'm thinking this is song Fire because he's you know he kind of goes into the break and goes starts going into the solo or he's just riffing and he's like yeah you know move over rover let jimmy take over oh yes that's right that's right yeah i forgot about that good call out i know you like uh jimmy and i i used to listen to a lot of jimmy i bought like a lot of like in the late 90s early 2000s i was buying his uh his estates stuff like when they would release new things kind of like the prince estate does now like collections of vault material jimmy's vault material but yeah, good call out. There's actually an, a song by Led Zeppelin called The Rover as well. Oh, okay. But I don't think it has anything to do with a dog. So um, uh. it's kind of... Kind of <laughs> I, I don't think it is. I, I don't remember the lyrics of that song very clearly. But.
Regardless, here he starts talking about this dog named Rover. Be cool, Rover. Don't bite nobody. <laughs> Rover, yeah. get your ass get your ass over here, sit down. Yeah. Rover, you got to get over. Rover, you got to get over. He repeats that a couple times. So this was kind of funny. And he says I, I think his delivery here is humorous as well. So Prince is clearly having fun with this song, fun with um performance of this song and kind of saying these outlandish lyrics. Um you know, just kind of letting loose, I guess, in some ways, not not being concerned about how kind of ridiculous the whole thing is and just enjoying it. Because, I mean, the song lyrically is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's pretty, uh, pretty common, commonly accepted as a ridiculous but fun song. And so if Prince was trying to do this with a straight face or, you know, uh, real seriously, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be as um it wouldn't be as enjoyable and the music does a lot of really cool things it's called highly explosive this version because he, he constantly inserts like this uh artificial explosion noise like you know atomic bomb kind of explosion noise throughout and i'm guessing that's another fairlight sample sound i don't i don't know that for a fact yeah. but i don't know if somebody knows differently let oh. me know but yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with all the presets or pre, um, pre-rendered pre sounds that were included in the Fairlight uh, synthesizer. So <laughs> if somebody knows, let me know. But yeah, remember, it, uh, it would make sense. Yeah, I remember the... Uh, so you might have had some DX equipment, too. I remember the DX27 had one. Had a thunderstorm kind of preset to it. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Lots of options, I guess. So then later on, he also, in this highly explosive version, he uses the word slamming again. So he says, slamming. If I was the dog and you was the cat, baby, I'd show you where it's at. Hey, little pussy, you sure look sweet, knocking me off my four feet. So again, that's kind of like a repeat of some of the lines earlier in the song. Uh, baby, the funk is on. Slamming, slamming. He repeats the word slamming. Mm. And I find that interesting or curious just because... Uh, it was recorded shortly after he recorded You Got the Look. And, of course, anybody who knows the song You Got the Look, he says, slamming. You know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, using some of the um, the hip-hop vernacular at the time um, in 1987. Oh, yeah. Yeah. was certainly something he was starting to incorporate into his lyrics. Uh, Black Album, Sign of the Times. Yeah. We, we wore that word out. <laughs> 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 Everything was slamming until nothing was slamming anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was just some friends of mine. That li- yeah, we wore that word out just because of you got the look, just because of La 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 Black Album, the whole thing. I think between 87 and 88, we, we wore that word out a bit. <laughs> I think a lot of people did because un- unfortunately for the word, it's not one that really has um, stood the test of time in terms of being 
used. And I know some words come back, but I mean, words that were used in the eighties and like hip hop vernacular, like dope, or, I mean, nobody really uses deaf that much anymore either. Like, no. Oh man, that was that <laughs> deaf and slam and kind of were of a time. <laughs> of a right. time. And they got retired sometime in the nineties, I think. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I just, you know, it just kind of speaks to the time that Prince was writing and recording the song, similar around the time of You Got the Look. You Got the Look was recorded, I believe, in December of 86, and it was January of 87, which isn't, you know, that's only a month different, a month apart. So a word like slamming was still going to be kind of uh, commonly used in his, in his um, lexicon, his little book of lyrics. says i make my choir want to sing la 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 he he get together in my tree so he's just similar similar lines but not exactly the same um let's get together in my tree when before he was hoping if we ever get together in my tree and later on the song he's like basically saying let's get together in my tree it's like well okay but you can't climb trees (laughs) dog so (laughs) not exactly sure how this is going to (laughs) work this point i don't think he really cares he's just wanting to continue yeah, on with the theme of the song or again you know can continuing with the theme i think maybe tree is is another metaphor oh yeah yeah i mean i guess you mentioned that earlier and i just kind of glossed over it but i think that uh that's astute i'd ever let's get together in my okay i don't know why I yeah <laughs> I, I just thought of it too so don't feel bad. it's like Oh, yeah. You know, you know, yeah. I'm talking about trees here. Yeah, oh. the oak, oak tree was the oak tree was a dance by Morris Day and a song. Yeah, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's a, another metaphor. People listening to the song, you can figure it out yourself. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he just said, "Put your foot on the rug, socket, socket, socket. Don't you stop. Put your foot on the rug." And I think <laughs> it just feels like he's just having fun, like with these yeah. lines. I don't is know. That, what else do you get from that? Anything? I was going to say, is that is that rug or rock? Oh, uh, the the lyric sheet I'm looking at says rug. Do you do you hear rock? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I've been hearing it wrong everywhere. All those years. Um, I'm not reading off any official printed lyrics from uh, from the estate or anything though. So this is just the internet lyrics. So yeah, because because that goes that goes way back to the '70s. You know, put your foot on the rock. Um, mm. uh, Parliament. No, actually, it's uh, Funkadelic. Um, oh, it's, well, just the um, fact that you could come up with it being, you know, kind of an old it's, term that, that's been used before. Yeah, uh, and again, animal metaphors. Um, wait a minute, let me see. If I can, if I can reach it, because I've had it on the Parliament Live, but it's from... I think kind of the later, um, before they went to Warner Brothers, Funkadelic. Uh, is it landing? Is that uh, Undisco Kid? I think. What album is that on? Do you know? Uh, let's see. That one's uh, Tales of Kid Funkadelic, I think. But I first heard it from the uh, Parliament Live album, ah. and it's you know it's um, 
Oh, people honking don't know how. You should have seen the bull when he punked the cow. Oh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on the lyrics. But it's that. But then after that, he says, you know, put your foot on the rock. And that's on the live version. Gotcha. Okay, then, so this is something that's been done before. And it kind of it kind of really uh, puts some, adds some weight to your theory that he's, in, you know, there's some inspiration there from Parliament Funkadelic for this song. Yeah, because he does it in um, the 12-inch version of uh, Another Love, A Hole in Your Head. Mm-hmm. Too, you know, put your foot on the rock. And he's, ah, ah, let the girl see you, ah. <laughs> yeah okay so okay. yeah so it's it's a it's a, but yeah like i said i've always heard it as rock but it could be could be rub that makes more sense though i mean honestly if <laughs> especially knowing the history behind it and knowing the inspiration and clearly this song feels like it's inspired by that and inspired by those you know george clinton parliament funkadelic music from the 70s and early 80s I would definitely tend to agree with that because I've never heard. I mean, yeah, put the foot on, put your foot on the rug. It could be a saying, I suppose, but what does it yeah. mean? I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, so cut the rug, I guess. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So maybe, maybe if anybody else has any uh, theories or if they know uh, for certain if it's rock or rug, I mean, sure, both could could work cutting your rug yeah. or just put your foot on the rock because that's a you know a, a saying that's been said before okay so the last kind of <laughs> interesting thing we get from a lyrical standpoint it isn't even said by prince it's said by sheila and this is when the i the explosive version is fading out we get her saying somebody get grandma a man <laughs> <laughs> and i just think that's just funny somebody get grandma a man no idea what it means and especially in the context of this song but i have to bring it up because it makes me chuckle <laughs> oh yeah i'm you know i, I love her comedy yeah like uh the end of um song off of uh as a glamorous life when she's going out to party and she's like give me my jewels oh um <laughs> the black ones toy box toy box thank toy box. you yeah and then um sister fate too um where she does that little uh lucille ball impersonation oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, Sheila's Sheila definitely has a sense yeah. of humor that she puts out there in the songs that she makes here, and um, her little whether or not it's an ad lib or whatever it is, uh, it's just kind of like, huh? What is she? That makes no sense, but also at the same time, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Get grandma, yeah. man. <laughs> so, anyway, that is the highly explosive version of la 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 he he, and while you know. From a lyrical standpoint, we can't really do it justice because it's really about the musicality, how Prince and the band, that at least the band that participates in the making of the song, Sheila um, and Eric in, in Atlanta, maybe Levi, I'm not sure, uh, they they add a lot of extra elements to the song that you don't get in the 7-inch version. And so those of you who maybe haven't heard it, I would 
encourage you to go out there and find it. It's you know available now, widely released thanks to the um, Sign of the Times Super Deluxe release last year. So no excuses. You guys can yeah. listen to it now and don't, don't say, "Well, I don't have a I don't have a record player, so I can't hear it on vinyl anymore." No excuses. Uh, this is this is the version, man. This is the definitive version. It's a lot of fun. What, I mean. I, I know you and I have already kind of talked about how fun the song is and just kind of how silly it is and its inspirations, but do you have any kind of uh, final thoughts you wanted to mention about the song? Anything that you haven't taught, touched on already? Uh, just, like I say, it um, stands the test of time for me. I still get the same enjoyment out of it now than I did. And, you know, having listened to it, you know, just prior to the show, you know, just the, just what fun 1987 was and just what it felt like to be a Prince fan back then. To me, I think that's sort of where it started to really crystallize, you know, not looking at it no longer as a, you know, as a naive teenager, but now, you know, the early stages of adulthood and to have that B-side along with the Sign of the Times album, you know, it just took that, you know, love of Prince music to a whole different level. And as for the song itself, it's it's fun. Like I said, there's a lot of P-Funk history in there. There's a lot of, you know, towards the end, it goes into James Brown territory almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and also a testament to his genius that, to just take a knockoff song like that and not only make it interesting, but make it funky, make it a well-loved B-side, you know, to stand up along with, you know, she's always in my hair 17 days. You know, it's, that's a testament. Cause I mean, that song really could have just been a forgettable B-side that nobody would remember or talk about. Or, or not even a B-side. A- or not even a B-side at all, exactly. Could have been just uh, buried in the vault because he l- could have listened to this and be like, yeah, that was kind of lazy writing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not gonna release this. I, I I successfully created a song based off of, you know, maybe the parameters of the, the bet. <laughs> I still win. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was, it was to use, a, you know, an 80s slang, it was dope. <laughs> and yeah. it really was. It really, it, truly was. It was deaf. possibly even slamming yes (laughs) and it sounds like it was a happy session yeah too with all the the comedy that was going on in it yeah there's definitely some of that between prince and sheila Mm -hmm. Uh, their their dynamic um working dynamic was really in full swing and you could tell that the two of them uh, had a true, it really comes across to me at least that they had a true friendship. There wasn't just a working relationship. Like they could right. really enjoy each other's company and, and feel like, uh, you know, Prince had like this um, kind of uh, this reputation of being very hard on his bandmates and, you know, some of the stories that have come out over the years of, you know, Prince kicking Brown Mark in the ass, you know, when he's, when he's uh, not playing bass well enough and, but you just kind of almost feel like these two were more on like equal footing, equal terms. Like he didn't treat, doesn't feel like he felt treated Sheila the same as he might have treated some of his other bandmates or band members. 
Uh, and maybe that's just because Sheila brought a different, you know, she already had her thing and, and he liked what her thing was and wanted to incorporate that into his his music for a few years there in the, the mid to late 80s. And uh, her her um, contributions are are appreciated, I think, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, too, you know, she had a career sort of prior to Prince. You know, she yep. was with George Duke and Lionel Richie, Marvin Gaye. So she was practically a seasoned professional. And I guess we look at where Prince made her a front person, just like Morris Day, you know, made them the front, you know, the centerpieces of whatever project where they were more comfortable just kind of, at you know, or prior to their stardom, just comfortable being the professional musician. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, I guess sometimes we take that for granted. Yeah, something that. about something about drummers. He liked pushing drummers out front. I guess yeah. <laughs> with, with, with Morris and Sheila. Put your, put your hand in your pocket and look cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they made it work though. They they successfully transitioned from behind the drum kit to to front man and woman respectively. So mm-hmm. yeah, la, la la la. He he's a great song. Very fun. Very fun. Lyrically, kind of um, interesting lines, but you know, for the most part, it's not about that. It's about the music. And just about the combination of a silly little nursery rhyme type uh, story with some with some dirty uh, double entendres, uh, envelope pushing, <laughs> envelope pushing off the table <laughs> in the twelve inch version, and you know ten ten plus minutes of of fun funky uh, joyous party song. So yeah, I'm down with it, and I enjoyed it. So Richard, where can uh, people find you and what you're up to? Uh, well, so you can find me on Twitter at Richard Cole underscore now and on Instagram at Richard Cole underscore Amari. And Amari Purple Talk season three is coming uh, October 10th. I'm shooting for October 10th. So, so yeah, this, yeah, that's coming up. That's coming up next month. Very cool. So check it out. I'll put a yeah. link to your show in the show notes. So people can find it easily. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. So this has been Jason Brenninger for the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics podcast. Uh, I wanted to say thank you again for, to Richard Cole for joining me on this episode, calling in from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, my old my old stomping grounds. And uh, as far as the show, you can find Presser Wine Pod on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm also on uh, YouTube now. So look it up on YouTube if you enjoy listening to shows on YouTube. I also try to throw some interesting tidbits or you know musical um, compositions that I can uh, share with the listeners if you want to dig a little deeper into Prince's vault. Um, I'm able to do that when I can. I try to share what I have. And uh, also, I've got a Discord. If you're you know, a user of Discord and you'd like the show, I definitely have a discord uh, link to uh, my channel on the show notes check it out and until next time thank you very much and goodbye